Hello, everyone. Welcome to Eternity, where love never fails. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening. This is the Eternity Bible Study Podcast, where we walk through the Bible together every weekday, Monday through Friday. We're podcasting from here in the United States and in Zambia with a goal to share our thoughts and encourage one another as we read God's Word together verse by verse. My co-host in Zambia, Matali, and I are both listening to Through the Bible Podcast and then sharing our thoughts and encouragement with you. From America to Africa and everywhere else, God is in control. As always, our attribution goes to Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. So, if you've ever wanted to try to read the Bible every day, we hope you can join us. We're regular people just like you, trying to learn more about God and walk in step with His Holy Spirit. So, if you have your Bible, feel free to read along, and if not, no problem, we'll put it all together for you. So, let's get started. Today, we are continuing our study of Isaiah. We are now in Isaiah chapter 11, and... uh, a big book of another big book of uh, chapter of prophecy here. Um, we have been studying uh, the last uh, several chapters. Um, you've got Isaiah talking to uh, King Ahaz about what's coming and how the uh, Lord is going to deal with things in the day of the Lord. And that's when the Lord comes back, the Christ Jesus comes back to reestablish his kingdom on earth. Uh, and in 11, uh, chapter 11, it just continues that. This is uh, uh, what's called a messianic prophecy because it talks about the coming of Christ and what uh, Christ will do on earth. So we'll start in verse 1. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. Now, Again, Jesse, who, who's Jesse? Jesse is the father of King David. So King David was the greatest king um, of the nation of Israel. But again, this prophecy that, that uh, was given to, to King David that's, that a great king was going to come out of his house and establish his kingdom forever. So again, this this prophecy takes up uh, about that, this coming Messiah that the nation was looking forward to, this coming new king. And uh, it's interesting that he says, basically, it's from the house of Jesse. He didn't say from the house of King David. He said from the house of, of Jesse. And it's going to be a branch from his roots. So it's... Um, and. We've seen this reference to the branch of the Lord back in um, chapter 4, verse 2. It said, um, In that day the branch of the Lord shall be beautiful and glorious, and the fruit of the land shall be the pride and the honor of the of the survival survivors of Israel. Okay, in that day, and as we've said, in that day, uh, is going to be referred to as one of the phrases that we see a lot in Isaiah in that day, meaning the day, uh, the triumphant uh, second coming 
of the Lord Christ, of the Messiah, that he brings um, uh, his righteousness back on earth to um, reestablish his kingdom and then to judge, to bring righteous judgment on, on the world. So, we're taking up where chapter uh, 10 takes off here, and he's saying, There shall come forth um, a shoot from the stump of Jesse, just like the branch of the Lord is talking about. So, in other words, this, this remnant shoot of the house of Jesse, okay, the house of Jesse obviously is where King David came from, but he goes back to Jesse in humility because Jesse, the father of David, was just a simple farmer. And so, um, and I believe, uh, as my study was saying, that Jesse was from Bethlehem. And so, uh, a very humble little town, um, a farmer in this humble little town, and again, it is uh, uh, consistent with what was promised to King David, but it's all, all in humility. And so this stump from, of Jesse, a branch from his roots, shall bear fruit. And this is in contrast to King Ahaz, that is king now, that this king is not bearing any fruit. Okay? So this uh, prophecy for a great um, uh, king, even greater than, uh, much greater than Ahaz. And all of this is coming forth from this sign that, you know, God offered to give Ahaz um, a while back when he was so scared, God was saying, well, you know, I'll give you a sign. Um, that was back in chapter 7. And, of course, Ahaz turns him down and says, you know, uh, but I will not put the Lord to the test. And, of course, then the Lord says, you know, you make me so tired even talking to you. I'm going to give you a sign, even, you know, this great sign. And in verse 14, chapter 7, Behold, a virgin shall come, conceive and bear a son, and, and shall call his name Emmanuel. That's a kind of a famous passage that we always hear at Christmas time. But um, it was a sign that eclipsed I, uh, King Ahaz in every way. King Ahaz probably didn't even understand the sign. And that's sort of like the beauty, not only uh, the beauty of God's uh, provision for him. He goes, you know, I'm going to answer you. I'm going to answer you for everyone around you who was scared, you know, because not only... Uh, do you need this sign? But everyone around you needs this sign. All future generations uh, are going to get this sign. And I'm giving this sign, you know, even though you didn't ask for it, I'm fed up talking to you. I'm giving the sign. It's going to go right over your head. <laughs> and the ironic thing, the, the tragic thing for Ahaz here is, you know, he's the person who turned down getting this sign. God gives it for all mankind. So he gives him a sign in spades, but of course he can't understand it. Verse 2, uh, and the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. This is the shoot from the branch of Jesse. And so we look at, look at how this, uh, this new king 
is going to be blessed spiritually. And it's going to have all these attributes, these seven attributes of the Spirit. Uh, it's And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding. So we've got the Spirit of the Lord shall rest on him. And this is capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. In other words, when you see all caps, the word Lord spelled in all caps, that's referring to the God, the Father. Okay. So this counselor, Jesus, is going to have the spirit of God upon him. The spirit of wisdom is going to be upon him. The spirit of understanding is going to be upon him. And then we continue reading the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge, and the fear of the Lord. Okay? So this coming king, this coming Messiah, who's coming from the house of Jesse, is going to have the Spirit of God, the Spirit of the Lord resting on him, the Spirit of wisdom, the Spirit of understanding, the Spirit of counsel, the Spirit of might, the Spirit of knowledge, and fear of the Lord. Okay? So... Jesus is coming not only with the Spirit of God on him, it's all wisdom. Okay? He is a he is completely wise in every way, but also understanding. It's not like he's coming aloof. It's not like he's coming as a, some type of untouchable God. He's coming to understand. He has all understanding of the human condition. He is not uh, disassociated from the human condition. He became human. He understands what it's like to be cold and hungry and tired. He understands what it's like to be poor. He understands what it's like to be mistreated. He understands what it's like to be cheated on and be rejected and made fun of and slandered. He understands all those things. Because all those things happen to him. He comes in with all wisdom, all understanding, and the spirit of counsel. Okay? The spirit of counsel. He is the counselor. He is the person who can help you understand what to do and how to make amends and how to right the wrongs. He has that spirit. Isn't it amazing today? Sometimes people have arguments or family feuds or family fights or friends fall out with one another or, um, you know, parents and children can't get along. Or maybe it's politics and people can't get along for differences of opinions or philosophies or moralities. He has the spirit of counsel. Or a marriage that is falling apart. They say, it's beyond hope. It's beyond repair. I can never get along with this person. He is the Prince of Peace. He has the spirit of of counsel. Jesus Christ can bring people together when people feel like they can't be together. There's nothing that Jesus Christ can't do to mend the hearts of the broken hearted. So isn't this amazing? He comes in with the spirit of counsel and might. So in other words, not only does he have the spirit of counsel to bring people together, he has power. He has all kind of power. What kind of power? He has the power of God, the power of creation, the power of life and death. 
His power defeated death. That's what he came to do. His power defeated sin. That's what he came to do. Isn't it amazing? He has all that power, but yet he's a counselor. He has all that wisdom, but yet he has all understanding of each one of us. He's a he's a person living on the earth, but yet he has the spirit of God. He has the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Of course, wisdom begins with fear of the Lord. But even Christ has fear of the Lord. So in other words, he had all knowledge. And as the Psalms say, the beginning of knowledge is the fear of the Lord. So he has that much reverence for the Lord. He has total humility for the Lord. As we'll continue in verse in verse 3, And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. What makes the Lord happy? What makes Jesus Christ happy? Fear of the Lord. Fear of the Lord was the beginning of his wisdom. <clears throat> and I'd like to go back to chapter 8 for a minute, verse 12, and talk about this fear of the Lord a little bit, because that's always one little bit of verse that, that sort of might mess with your mind a little bit. Are you supposed to fear him like he's a monster or everything? Let's go back to chapter 11, uh, I'm sorry, chapter 8, verse 12, and it says, Do not call conspiracy that all this people calls conspiracy, and do not fear what they fear, nor be in dread. And this is a, this is a bunch of people who are scared to death because an invasion is coming, Okay. And their their society's falling apart. It's evil people cheating one another, arguing with one another, blaming one another. So much like our culture today, right? You turn on the you turn on the TV, and all you got are people arguing, or people trying to to uh, use innuendo or some type of uh, exaggeration to belittle one another. Or call out a conspiracy on one another. It's all faithlessness in each other. And it says, don't fear what they fear, nor be in dread. Don't be, don't be dreading what other people dread. Verse 13, but the Lord of hosts, Him you shall honor as holy. Let Him be your fear and let Him be your dread. Okay, if you want to worry about something, worry about pleasing the Lord. If you want to be scared of something, be scared of His awesome power. And He will become a sanctuary and a stone of offense and a rock of stumbling to both houses of Israel. Okay, let Him be, let Him, him be your foundation, your sanctuary from all the dread, all the worry, all the fear. Okay, and you're and he's saying, "Are you scared about stuff? Are you worried? Stop worrying about the world. Worry about God. Are you scared of all this stuff, all this uncertainty? Let Him be your fear. Let Him be your worry. Give Him the stuff, the emotion that you don't want. 
you could sort of you could sort of try to understand this like are you worried are you anxious let him be your worry and anxiety are you depressed put your depression to him give it all to him give those emotions to him just worry about him be if you're going to be anxious about anything being be anxious about how to please the lord if you're going to be depressed about something, be depressed if you're not pleasing the Lord. If you're going to be dreading something, be dreading not pleasing the Lord. Let the Lord be your foundation. Let the Lord be the center of your heart. Verse 15, And many shall stumble on it. They shall fall down, be fallen, be broken. They shall be snared and, and taken. Those who aren't in fear of the Lord or aren't worried about the Lord or centered in their hearts on the Lord, they'll stumble because they'll be so worried about the worldly stuff. And dropping down in verse 19, should not a people inquire of their God? Should they inquire of the dead on behalf of the living? It's kind of a rhetorical question. So in other words, why are you so worried? Why are you asking people who are dead already in their sins for advice? Why don't you ask the living God? To the teaching and to the testimony, if they will not speak according to this world, it is because they have no dawn. They have nothing to look forward to. They have no life. Don't worry about this world. Worry about God. And don't ask people of this world for all kinds of advice because they're dead already. Ask the living God. Okay? That's a sort of a flashback a little bit to an earlier chapter when we were talking about fear. Okay, and then continuing in verse 3, and we'll, we'll read that again. Verse 3, and his delight shall be in fear of the Lord. He's not worried about world stuff. He's worried about the Lord, Father in heaven. He's not anxious about anything down here. He, the only anxiousness he feels is serving the Lord, the Father. Father in heaven. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide disputes by what his ears hear. So many people today try to judge people. I was watching something yesterday. One of the politicians was holding a meeting and he was trying to judge all these people in front of him. And he was trying to judge it by, uh, by things like uh, really superficial things like skin color or political party or this, that, and the other. You know, these kind of things. And it was all judgment by innuendo and judgment by appearance and superficial things. Trying to belittle people based on their appearances or there's, you know, this type of thing. And when I saw it, my heart just felt so bad. My heart just felt like, wow, is this what our society is coming to today? And this morning when I read this passage, it my heart went right to it. Like, wow, I think, you know, this is what he's saying because he's comparing the way 
Christ will judge to so many uh, unjust judges today. If you're taking yourself to be a judge of someone else or try to judge someone else, you better do it with humility because He's coming to not only judge, but He will put the unjust judges in their places. And Christ will not judge by appearance, by what His eyes see, or decide disputes by what His ears hear. So in other words, He's not going to decide disputes by people coming in, witnesses, you know, the way our court systems work today. He's, you know, we're not going to have to have lawyers, and we're not going to have to have uh, these legal experts to talk about stuff. And we're not going to have a bunch of law books written by a bunch of law professors and look and look in those law books based on the cases of the previous cases that are that have something in common with your situation and have a lawyer argue for you on your behalf. We're not going to need that. You're not going to need testimony of other people to justify what you said or did. He's not going to need to judge by what his ears hear from other people. Or he's not going to need to judge by appearance. He's not going to judge you by your political party. He's not going to judge you by your color of your skin or by your status in society. He's going to judge your hearts. You know, McGee says your friends are going to flatter you, so they're not going to be really good judges of you. So don't think of yourself by what your friends say about you because your friends are just there to flatter you. And he says, don't judge yourself by what your enemies say about you because they don't even know you. So if your friends can't judge you very well and your enemies certainly can't judge you very well, who, who knows you? And he's saying only Jesus Christ can be a good judge. And he's going to be a good judge of everybody. And he's not going to need a courtroom full of lawyers and a courtroom full of uh, witnesses. He already knows you. He will judge in righteousness. He shall judge the poor, verse 4, and decide with equity, fairness, for the meek of the earth. And he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, with his very words, and and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Boom! Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist, and faithfulness the belt of his loins. So his whole garment shall be righteousness and faith. That's what he's here for. Righteousness and faithfulness. He is completely righteous and just, and he is completely true and faithful to each one of us. That is a complete package right there. Verse 6, The wolf shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat, the calf and the lion and the fatted calf together, and the little child shall lead them. And the cow and the bear shall graze, and their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat the straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra. Uh-oh. And the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. That's another venomous snake. My goodness. And they shall not hurt or destroy 
in all my holy mountain. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. This kingdom is going to be completely peaceful. Nothing's going to hurt anything. And he is saying this so that no one can make a mistake. It is completely peaceful in this kingdom. And he doesn't say a word about human beings. Right here, he's talking about all the animals. But he will have uh, dominion over everything. There won't be any more wickedness and there won't be any more death. Even down to the smallest animal. And it just goes to, to show the completeness of his power and authority over all creation of the all the earth. And in verse 10, in that day, and here we go again in that phrase, in that day, this is the day of the Lord where Jesus Christ the Messiah reestablishes his kingdom. The root of Jesse, this is again talking about Christ, who shall stand as a signal for the peoples. Of him shall the nations inquire, and his resting place shall be glorious. In that day, the Lord will extend his hand yet a second time to recover the remnant that remains of his people from Assyria, from Egypt, from Pathros, from Cush, from Elam, from Shinar, from Hamath, and from the coastlands of the sea. He will raise a signal for the nations and will assemble the banished of Israel and gather the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. Down to verse 16. And there will be a highway from Assyria for the remnant that remains of his people as there was for Israel when they came up from the land of Egypt. This is going to be worldwide, a worldwide acknowledgement of Jesus Christ. And all nations all over the world will come to him. So it's a very big um, uh, prophecy. Again, Isaiah just zooms towards Jesus Christ. We have seen, you know, not only the, the uh, Isaiah sees Jesus in his glory. He has been, we've been given signs of Jesus here. We've, we've been given visions of what Jesus's kingdom is going to look like. I mean, this book of Isaiah, just like Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is packed full of Jesus Christ. It has been called the fifth epistle, like Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those are four, you know, the, the, the fab four of the, of the New Testament. Well, Isaiah is, um, is the, power, uh, the powerful book of the Old Testament, all pointing to Jesus Christ. And not only this, this book of Isaiah goes Old Testament. It zooms past all of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all the rest of the, the New Testament, it zooms all the way to the end of Revelation. It is there. It is talking about what's going to happen when Christ reestablishes His kingdom. So it's a very, very forward-looking book. It goes all the way, straight down to what's, what we have to look forward to. And the, the, the things that I'm taking away from, from this uh, chapter here 
not only is the completeness of the Spirit in the Spirit that Christ is, these are all attributes of Christ. You know, he was he had abundance in all these aspects of the Spirit, but it's just the way Christ approached things and um, his delight was fear of the Lord, of the Father in heaven. To me, that is so um, important for us today. Look at how many things that we are fearful of and how that uh, drives our behavior. And um, our behavior really should be um, fear of, of the Lord. That's what should drive our behavior. And again, this king is not going to judge by skin color. And he's not going to judge by politics. He's not going to judge what people are saying about other people. You know, he doesn't need witnesses. And he doesn't need gossip. And he doesn't need social media. And he doesn't need YouTube videos. And he doesn't need all the things that people are just gathering today. And it's amazing how many people, all they, you know, today you just see so many people looking on social media, looking on their mobile phones or looking on their computers. And they're seeing what other people are videotaping about other people. And they're, they're just, um, they're, they're seeing so many things that are forming their opinions. And they form their opinions based on what they see and based on what they hear. It may or be true, it may not be true. But Jesus will not judge, the, the Lord Christ will not judge each one of us by all these little things. He doesn't, that's what really makes me feel so good because it's such a sharp contrast to the idiocy going on in the world today by people. The foolishness of behavior of a godless generation that tries to argue with one another um, without fear of the Lord. They fear one another. They fear the politics of the day. They fear, they fear different things. And it, in the fear of the Lord, the Father in heaven, is not in them. And they don't acknowledge that. And, they, and the people are judging one another based on these videos or based on what, what uh, they can see. And it does, you know, it's... It has its place so you can you can see what people say. You know, communication has, has really done a big revolution, uh, has revolutionized the way people are thinking. But the bigger revolution, the bigger uh, power is the Father in heaven. And He is more powerful than all of this social media, than all of these things right now that people are placing their their faith in or their fear in. People place their faith in things because they place their fear in things, the things that they worry about. And you're saying, why worry about, why worry about uh, things that are passing away? Don't judge by what your eyes see or decide disputes by what your ears fear. Or here. The righteous judge will come. 
and he will judge your heart. What's real? All this other stuff is not real. It's just man's opinion, and it's coming out of man's mouth. God's going to come to judge your heart. He's going to judge with complete righteousness and complete justice. That should make you feel really good. So I encourage you guys to 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 go back and read, especially starting uh, verse three uh, down to verse five. To me, that was really, really, really um, settling because there's so many unsettling things that are going on in the world today. So, I hope this was encouraging to you. So, um, for me to all of you, God bless you. Keep your heart centered on Christ. I'll see you tomorrow. I believe we'll be starting chapter 12 tomorrow. So now I'll turn it over to Matali. Matali, I hope you're doing great. And uh, take it away. Hello. So today's teaching is coming from Isaiah chapter 11. So as we have seen from chapter 7 in all the studies, these are prophecies that belong together. And um, they were prophecies that were given during the reign of Ahaz. And it's it was at the time of um, the Lord's judgment on the nation Israel. So here in chapter 11, it looks at the purpose and the power of the king and its program. And um, it looks at a kingdom established. So this particular chapter is um, a messianic prophecy. And it speaks of Christ's coming to establish his kingdom here on earth. So, um, it's divided in um, different segments. Verse 1 and 2 looks at the person and power of the king. Verse 3 to 5 looks at the purpose and program of the kingdom. Verse 6 to 9 looks at the particulars of the kingdom. And uh, verses 10 to 16 looks at the program of the kingdom. So, here in um, chapter 1, we look at Sorry, in verse 1, we look at the person of the kingdom. So, um, Isaiah chapter 53 um, looks more in detail at, um, at um, Christ being the branch and the rod. Um, the branch that will grow out, um, actually the root that will grow out of dry land. So here verse 1 reads, There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. So this verse 53 also looks at this particular rod and, and branch that will grow out of dry land. So um, Jesus is the rod and stem that came out of David's lineage. So um, he, he is a live sprout that actually came out of dry arid land. And this is what is being talked about here in um, verse 1. So here it looks at Jesse, points at Jesse and not David. So Jesse um, was the father of David, and he's the one who's mentioned. And the royal lineage began with um, David. 
but Jesse was a farmer in Bethlehem. And the reason why Jesse is mentioned here is that by the time Christ was born, the line of David was, you know, no longer that of a prince, but of a peasant. So the royal line began, um, oh, the royal line, sorry, had gone back to um, that of a peasant because um, Jesse was a sheep farmer and... Um, he just used to, he he yeah he had sheep and um and Jesse was the father of of David and um the royal lineage of David began with David but when Christ was born that royal lineage was no longer there and hence Jesse's mention here in this particular verse so the branch is one of um you know, the titles that is given to Christ. Like he is the branch that sprouted out of dry land. And um, Christ is also the rod. So, um, you know, um, moving on to, to, to verse 2 of chapter 11, it looks at the power of the kingdom. So here, um, scripture reads, The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. So here, when Christ comes to reign, um, the spirit um, shall rest upon him. He shall rule with the spirit um, that is rested upon him. So here, there is a sevenfold spirit. In the Bible, the number seven is a number of completeness. So, um, you know, he will, Christ will have, you know, a plentitude of spirit in him when he comes to actually rule and um so the here the different um the different um fruits of the spirit that are mentioned um this is um the spirit of wisdom so you and i are no match for the world today so we need um you know we need the spirit of knowledge. So Christ has been made wisdom unto us. So, you know, the word has been given to us. And, you know, when we have the knowledge um, of Christ, if we study the word of Christ, only then do we get that knowledge of Christ. And we need that spirit um, of wisdom to, to rest unto us. So Christ will rule um, with the spirit of wisdom that's rested unto him. And um, here, um, the spirit of counsel has been mentioned. So, um, you know, all of us need the spirit of counsel. This is advice. Um, you know, we cannot just get by by thinking, you know, we do not need a word of advice from people who've actually experienced certain things in life, people who've lived longer than us here on earth. We need that advice. And Christ gave um, counsel and advice to his own, to his disciples. But he never got, he, he didn't go asking for advice. He gave counsel because he is, he is um, the Lord God. And then um, here we also, what's been mentioned is um, the spirit that's going to rest upon him is um, the spirit of power. So here we need this and, you know, we may know him and, um, you know, we, we need the spirit of power so that, you know, we may know Christ and we may, may know the power of his resurrection. We may know who and what Christ can do for us. Um, um, the other spirit that has been mentioned is the spirit of knowledge. So this is the study of the word of God and um, 
and um the spirit of uh, of of the word of god is is um you know we need to know and um we need to to have the 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 knowledge of the word of god you know as our girdle um you know um as 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 one of the weapons uh, as our girdle um when we go through life today and we fight our battles because you know the battle is not for the strong and the swift the battle is for is for, for is for people who are actually knowledgeable in the word of god um because mind you even the devil knows the word of god and if you're not knowledgeable about the word of god um how then will we be able to stand up firm and stand up for Christ and 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 defend Christ um so scripture here verse 3 to 5 looks at the purpose of the kingdom so scripture reads his delight is in the fear of the lord and he and he shall not judge by the sight of his eyes nor decide by the hearing of his ears but his righteousness he but with righteousness he shall judge uh, the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth he shall strike the earth with rods of his mouth and with the breath of his lips he shall slay the wicked righteousness shall be the belt of his loins and faithfulness the belt of his waist so here you know um christ will come and slay the wicked and um there is no deliverance you know of the wicked during the great tribulation if you find yourself in the great tribulation there is no turning back um there will be punishment for the wicked and the sinners so the reason for christ's coming is to rule the universe and um um he will appear um believers will appear before um before you know christ at the seat of judgment um so you know whatever you do today um you sh you like we we will be accountable for it we will appear before um the lord jesus christ um at the seat of judgment so christ will come he will slay the wicked and um and um and um he shall judge in righteousness he shall judge the poor and and the, and, and he shall judge the poor in, in in righteousness and the thing that uh will gird his reign shall be righteousness and faithfulness so um the purpose of reigning here on earth his purpose of reigning here on earth is to restore the dominion that was lost by adam so christ is coming to reign in um in righteousness and in faithfulness and um he will not judge with um you know as scripture has said here he will not um and he shall not judge by the sight of his eyes nor decide by the hearing of his ears so christ will judge righteously and justly so here moving on to scripture verse 6 looks at the particulars of the kingdom so it reads the wolf shall dwell with the lamb the leopard shall lie down with the young goats the calf and the young lion and the uh, fatling together and a little child shall lead them so here we see that the day you know we will see a day when you know a lion and a, and, and a calf shall lie together and today's not possible you know today the only way you know a lion and 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 a calf are together is 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 when 
the calf has been eaten up by the lion. But back then in the day, you know, when Christ comes to reign over his kingdom, the particulars of his kingdom is, you know, there shall be so much peace and, you know, we'll have a situation where you have a prey and a predator, um, a predator and its prey, sorry, um, shall lie down together. Um, verse 7 goes on to read, The cow and the bear shall graze their young ones shall lie down together and the lion shall eat straw like ox so here you know it's christ uh the lord's god created the universe and if he says um the lion shall eat straw a lion shall eat straw um verse 9 goes on to read there shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain for the earth shall be Sorry, let me just go back and read verse 8 as well. The nursing child shall play with the cobra's hall, and the weaned child shall put his hand over the viper's den. So this is how much peace there is going to be. So verse 9 goes on to read, They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of knowledge and the Lord as the waters cover for the earth shall be full of knowledge of the Lord as the waters shall cover the sea. So here, um, his kingdom is going to be worldwide. You know, his kingdom will be knowledgeable and worldwide. So verse 10 looks at the program of the kingdom. And uh, it goes on to read, And in that day they shall be a root of Jesse, who shall stand as a banner for the people. For the Gentiles shall seek him, and his resting place shall be glorious. So here... Um, you know, in that day, you know, the great tribulation began, um, you know, with um, <clears throat> the coming of Christ. So here we see, um, you know, um, the root of Jesse shall stand in the banner. This is um, at the time of the great tribulation is the time when um, we shall see Christ's coming. So verse 11 goes on to read, it shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall set his hand against the second time to recover the remnants of his people who are left from Assyria and Egypt, from pa from Pathros and Kash, from Elam and China, from Hamath and the islands of the sea. So here, um, this is going to be the second time that God is going to bring back his people, his remnant to the land. The first time that he brought them back was... Um, you know, when Moses led them out of Egypt and Joshua brought them back into the land. So Christ is going to do this for when he comes a second time, he's going to bring back his remnants. And, um, you know, the end sign, the banner is Christ and he will be rally. He will be the rallying center for, for the meek. He'll be the rallying center for the poor, for the, for all those people who are the minorities, the widows, the, 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 the children in society. So, um, moving down to scripture, I'll just peruse through from verse 12 to verse 16. This still looks at the, um, it looks at the program of the kingdom. So here, this is what's going to happen. He will set a banner up for the nations and will assemble the outcasts of Israel and gather together the dispersed Judah from the four corners of the earth. Also, the Envy of Ephraim shall depart, and the adversaries of Judah shall be cut off. Ephraim shall not envy Judah, and Judah shall not harass um, Ephraim. But they shall fly down upon the shoulders of the 
Philistines towards the west. Together they shall plunder the people of the east. Uh, they shall lay their hands on Edom and Moab, and the people of Ammon shall obey them. The Lord will utterly destroy the tongue of the sea of Egypt with the might with his mighty wind. Um, he will shake his fists over the river and strike it in the seven streams and make men cross over dry shod. They shall be a highway for the remnants. So this is Christ. Christ is a highway, you know, highway to righteousness. Um, who will be left from Assyria as it was for Israel in the day that he came up from the land of Egypt. So here we look at the program of Christ. When Christ comes, uh, this is during the great tribulation. This is what's going to happen, but he shall get his own remnants. So here God has a purpose and program for for our generation. You know, all lost is not all, all hope is not lost. Um Christ wants us to turn to him and the time to turn to to Christ, the time to 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 plant to sow to to plant the seed, the time to 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 worship and to be faithful to Christ is now. Um so yeah, this is today's teaching. Thank you all for listening in. Have a pleasant Monday. God bless and bye-bye.